It is to stand here. I appreciate the opportunity and the trust to take your Bibles and turn to Matthew 26. And this evening I'm going to preach a message. Simply the title is, Lord, is it I? Lord, is it I? We live in a day and age, while you're turning to Matthew chapter 26, I just want to give you a little Bible history there by way of introduction. I'd like to show you the parallel between the church today and the 12 disciples of 2,000 years ago. The disciples 2,000 years ago spent three and a half years with Jesus Christ, fellowshipping with him and watching the miracles and Watch the God provide the meat for the 4,000 and the 5,000. Watch them raise the dead and the blind see and the lame walk and all the excitement. And uh, they really, if you think about it, never really faced any true opposition. The brunt of the opposition was always pointed to Christ. And then the reality of it is that they... they experienced so many great and wonderful and exciting times. Yet all along the way, for three and a half years, Jesus warned them concerning the future, especially the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, which they failed to comprehend, nor failed to embrace. And everything he taught them was to prepare them for the things to come most of which they dismissed. Why? Because they were too busy enjoying the blessings, number one, the protection, the provision, the blessing, the health, wealth, prosperity, however you want to put it. And while they were doing that, they were being very competitive and arguing about who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And the reality of it was, as Jesus was trying to prepare them for his departure and the fulfillment of the gospel, and though in many ways they were absolutely clueless, they dismissed the idea altogether. And the reality of the situation was, is when they were faced with the true challenges, which Jesus taught them for three and a half years, they were so ill-prepared, it wasn't funny. They were absolutely clueless, to the point where they couldn't understand why Jesus Christ had to be crucified. And they were suddenly, for the first time, without their Savior. And they had no idea what to do. They scattered. Three and a half years. And they should have laid hold of the lessons, but unfortunately, they had to learn it the hard way. Today, in a similar way, God has prepared the church for the days to come. We see unprecedented actions and things taken across and the persecution of the churches to the burning down in the churches of Canada to the oppression and the persecution worldwide of the church of Jesus Christ. 
And yet many are just riding on the coattails, enjoying the health, wealth, and prosperity. Church of America has always been blessed. It's great. Life is good. Though Jesus has been preparing us a sermon after sermon after sermon and Sunday school lesson after Sunday school lesson, only to come to the place where most of the church is so ill-prepared, they have no idea what tomorrow holds because they're too busy trying to have preeminence and figure out who's going to be the greatest in the church or the kingdom of God, or who can have the most impact, or who can do this and who can do that, and they've lost their focus while they're riding on the coattails of God's blessings. As we look at the current global crisis, corrupt political powers, false ecumenical church, and the economic takeover, we're all foretold, and we're seeing it to come to pass in our very day. May I remind you, Jesus stood right in front of the people and they didn't know who he was. We live in a day and an age where we see things happen that are unprecedented in our world, much less our own nation. And yet I I believe that we're going to fall the same way and uh, uh, suddenly when things begin to go south and things begin to be fulfilled, just like Jesus said, we're going to be like the disciples, scattered, Clueless and nowhere to turn. Yet, there's always a place to turn because he had foretold us all these things. So we see the similar the way the church loves the miracles, the provision, the Bible teachings. But I fear in the same way the 12 disciples were not prepared for what they were about to face. So the church of Jesus Christ today may be entering into a phase of no return. Let's pray. Father, I do pray that you allow through your Holy Spirit and your word to teach this lesson that we lay hold of serious truths. You tell us to be sober, to be serious. And Lord, tonight, this is a serious message. And Lord, as we see the events taking place, as we see people we served beside fall away, my prayer is that through this message we'll remain faithful and not be clueless, but be prepared for the things to come. In Jesus' name, amen. As you flip over to Matthew chapter 26, you know, just a little history lesson here. In Matthew chapter 23, there was a great turning point. Matthew chapter 23, the turning point was simply this. Jesus Christ got to a point and said, enough's enough, and he began to pronounce judgment. Woe unto you, scribes, Pharisee. And he began to pronounce judgment upon the religious system and those that were supposed to be carrying on and standing for truth. That was a point of no return from them. And that was a point of no return in the book of Matthew. As we see the woe unto you, and we see in Matthew 23, I don't have time to read all that, but he basically pronounced judgment upon all those folks. Matthew 24, he begins to say, listen, immediately after pronouncing judgment, he begins to proclaim and show them the signs of the things to come and which we're seeing in our very day. And one of the signs to come is false prophets, false Christ, false this, false that. And we can go through the whole list of wars and rumors of wars and earthquakes and famines and all these pestilence and all these different things in which the Bible depicts and we're seeing across our globe today. Matthew 25 is all about being prepared and being faithful. 
And he goes through many different talks about the virgins and their lamps. One ran out of oil, the other ran out of oil. There's a, there's a great divide there, amen? One parable, one story after another after another, and he gets to the end of that chapter, and he puts his goats on the left side and the sheep on the right, and there's nothing in between. And judgment is pronounced. We get to Matthew 26. After all these teachings, and we see Satan's opportunity and the sleeping saints. Satan's opportunity and the sleeping saints. In other words, they slept through the prayer time. They were called off guard. They were warned over and over. They couldn't believe what was taking place. They were absolutely clueless. They took my Jesus. But if we look in Matthew chapter 26 and verse 1, and it says, And it came to pass, when Jesus had finished all these sayings, he said unto his disciples, You know, ye know, that after two days of the feast of the Passover, the Son of Man shall be betrayed and crucified. Matthew starts out with, You know these things. At least you should have known them. And we see a trail, as I get into the message, I'm not going to read all these passages, but Matthew 26. Behind the scenes, there's 11 disciples who are absolutely clueless of what's going on. They're just preparing for the feast. They're getting ready for things. They're oblivious. Meanwhile, Judas is selling out Jesus Christ. He's meeting secretly. they got like two days to prepare and make all these things happen. He's collecting the money, all these different things behind the scenes. And we get to Matthew 26 and verse 20 and 22. And it says this to my first point. I want you to think about the possibility here. Matthew 26, verse 20 and 22. He said, Now when evening was come, he sat down with the twelve, that's Jesus, and as they did eat, he said, Verily I say unto you that one of you shall betray me. Listen, he's talking specifically to the twelve disciples. And they were exceedingly sorrowful and began every one of them to say unto him, Lord, is it I? The person that trusts in themselves are a fool. Listen, our trust has got to be in the Lord Jesus Christ. There's going to be some that betray Jesus. In this case, it was one out of twelve. You say, how is that possible? Let me just back up for a minute. Let me address Judas, but I really want to address the, really the 11. Judas had been with Jesus Christ for three and a half years. He had cast out devils. He had raised the dead. He had done all those things. He had the power of God upon his life. He did all those things. He worked among the other disciples, did all the things the other ones did. He even preached. But you know what he had? He had a secret sin. And his secret sin over the course of time. What? He was a thief. The Bible says he was a thief. He kept the bag, which means he was the church treasurer. Amen? And because he kept the bag, in other words, Judah's secret sin opened the door for Satan's rise to use his secret sin to betray Jesus Christ. And you say, then why did Judas run back to the temple and throw the money back? I'll tell you why. I believe why. For three and a half years, every time they came to after Jesus, Jesus always seemed to slip away. They could never lay hands on Jesus Christ. In three and a half years, he had saw him slip away from, from any and every situation. I believe Judas was going to cash in on this deal 
and Jesus would just slip away. But sooner or later, folks, your sin will find you out. And if you have secret sin, you may be the very one that betrays the Lord Jesus Christ. Imagine, we talk about robbing God in offerings. He was literally robbing God from the giving of the people to the ones that were, as they were trying to distribute alms and try and give to the poor and help those in need. Judas was actually taking money out of that bag to put in his own bag and was good at it. And no one detected it. They ate, slept, drank together, did everything together, and it was not detected. He even betrayed him and sold him out, and the other 11 is absolutely clueless. But I'll tell you what, our Lord always knows what's going on. Amen. But I want to get to the 11. As we look at the 11, I want to show you through this passage the humility of the disciples. And it's a good place to be. 2022, he says, now when it was evening and he sat down with his 12 and he did eat and said, verily I say unto you, one of you shall betray me. Now I want you to listen to the response. There's something about this response that is different than what would normally take place today. And they were exceedingly sorrowful and began to say, and, and began every one of them to say, Lord, is it I? You drop down to, drop down to verse 25. Then Judas, which betrayed him, answered and said, Master, is it I? He even joined in, being guilty as all get out, right? He was good at playing along. But I'll tell you what, disciples called him Lord. Judas called him Rabbi. The disciples called him Lord. Judas called him Teacher. Amen. And as we look at this passage... It says, when the other 11 heard it, they were exceedingly sorrowful. I want you to notice something about their approach to this. They didn't suspect one another. They did a self-evaluation. That's where I want to go tonight. A self-evaluation. The possibility of you and I betraying Christ, there is a true possibility. You say, I would never. Careful what you say. The possibility is real. And as we look at this, I could take you to other passages, but for the sake of time, Luke 22, 21, and 23, it says, they begin to inquire among themselves. It's in all four Gospels. And then we have in Mark 14, 18 through 20, it says, one by one, they asked him. And then in, in John 13, 22, they were doubting of whom he spake. They were basically wondering. They were wondering. They were doubting. Could this really be? Could it really be one of us? The 11 were so oblivious to Judas. What am I saying? I'm saying the possibility is very real. But what I'm also saying is, as the challenges in which we face, somebody's secret sins may be called out. And Satan is waiting for the opportunity to use that sin against them, to go against Christ, absolutely to the point of bringing it to being a betrayer of Jesus Christ, the gospel and the truth. But as for the 11, the 11, look at the humility of these 11. They didn't say, I think it might be him, I think it might be him. Well, you know, it must be that one, you know. And, and uh, 
They didn't gang up on one another. They didn't go off on a clique. They looked at themselves and said one after another. It said they were exceedingly sorrowful and said, Lord, is it I? What they're saying is, Lord, don't let it be me. Lord, don't let it be me. Please don't let it be me. And they begin to ask him one by one. They begin to be sor exceedingly sorrowful. They begin to talk amongst themselves. And they begin to wonder, is that even possible? But everything that Christ says is true and comes to pass. And I begin to think about that thought. And I would think about what, what humility. But the possibility should be acknowledged in humility, not in pride. And the possibility should be felt and met with sorrow. In this case, exceedingly sorrow, not pride. The possibility is more than reasonable based upon the statistics or the numbers. We are seeing so much of these things today. As I go through three things today, you'll see that you're going to see more and more and more and more of it, and you're going to, you're going to, your head is going to spin as the pressure is put on certain individuals, and you see these things come to pass, your heart's going to break. What am I going to say? Be faithful. And say, Lord, don't let it be me. At the same time, Lord, is it I? The possibility is real and will come to pass. One out of 12 in this case. Don't let pride and arrogance rob you of your own frailties. In other words, we all have weaknesses. The point, it is only by God's grace and mercy that any of us is able to stand in the first place. Amen. Amen. Don't forget that. Don't let pride and arrogance and spiritual pride raise you up to a level that will be your own destruction and your own fall. When they said, Lord, it is I, that's a real possibility. Therefore, our hearts and prayers should be relying upon God and not self. Don't think you reached a level where this can't happen to you. We all should ask the question, Lord, is it I? It's easy to answer that question when you're not facing any opposition. But we're about to face serious opposition. Whether you believe it or not, things are coming to pass, prophecies being fulfilled, the reality is ushered in how much, how long, how, I have no idea. I'm not a prophet, but I am a preacher. And I can tell you this, as the pressure is put on and the secret sins are called out and you're watching, I can't believe that one portrayed the Lord. I can't believe that one fell away. I can't believe that happened. You say, well, listen, don't join the crowd. Just ask yourself, Lord, is it I? Don't let it be me, Lord. Get as close to the Lord as possible. Know what the scriptures say. Number two, in Matthew 26, 33 through 35, we see another instance here as this, as this story progresses. And you'll have those that will deny the Lord. Amen? You'll have those that will betray the Lord. It will happen. And if you're a true disciple, you're just going to have to hang in there. Amen? And uh, Matthew tells us, starting in verse 33, it says, Peter answered and said unto him, Though all men should be offended because of thee, yet will I never be offended. And Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, that this night before the cock crow thou shalt deny me thrice. And Peter said unto him, 
Though I should die with thee, yet will I not deny thee. Likewise also all the disciples. You know what they all said? Peter said, I'm willing to die. There is no way in God's great creation that I will ever, ever, ever deny you. And likewise said all the disciples. They were offended. He said, I'll never deny you. But then we read that they all forsook him. What does that mean? Well, if you forsake him, it means you denied him. Amen? What am I saying? Number one is we have the possibility of betrayal. Number two is we have the pressures of life. And in the pressures of life, don't deny the Lord. We know the story of Peter and how he got to the point where the pressure was on and and uh, he began to deny the Lord three times, even to the point where he began to curse and to swear. We also know that his heart was broken when the Lord looked upon him, when he watched that thing come fulfilled. People will say, well, that's prophecy. Pro- Jesus Christ prophesied it, and uh, it's going to happen, so you can't change it. Well, listen, Jesus also said, brawl is the way that leadeth to destruction, but you still got a choice. He said, well, I'm just going to go to hell then because brawl is the way to destruction. Many be there at, right? No, you have a choice to choose the narrow path. Amen. But the pressures of life, it's easy to say, I'll do this and I'll do that and I'll, I'll, I'll. And until the, press, the real pressures of life enter into your situation, come to your house, come to your workplace, and your job is on the line because you won't get on board with what the government wants you to do or whatever it may be and you say well now the pressure's on what are you going to do are you going to deny the Lord oh I'd never do that how many say I'd never do that I'd never do that oh I would never ever ever do that folks I've seen a lot of people in 20 some years come and go greater than me greater preachers greater servants. I've watched them betray the Lord. I've watched them deny the Lord. You know why? Many times it's because of pride and pressure. Pride and pressure. As you look at this passage, the pressures of life, never say never. You remember, humility comes before honor. It says they were offended. Oh, not me. I'd never be offended. I'd never be offended. Everybody else, Peter says, everybody else might take off, but not me. I've heard people sit in churches say that kind of stuff. And I can even name names of where they're at today. I have often found sometimes the louder they are, the faster and the bigger they fall. The louder and prouder. And so the pressures of life, you say, I'll never deny him. He said, listen... Listen to this. Jesus said unto them, Verily I say unto you that this night before the cock crow thou shalt deny me thrice. And Peter said unto him, Though I should die with thee, will I yet not deny thee? Likewise said to the Listen, I'm willing to die. I think it went down a way in which they did not anticipate and did not expect. And that's because they didn't listen to the prior teaching. Not because something happened that they shouldn't have known better. It happened just like Jesus explained it to them year after year and time after time after time. And they, nah, 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 nah. They didn't want to hear that. 
Just give me the health, wealth, and prosperity and skip the persecution. He said, I'll die before I deny you. Never, never, never me, Jesus. Likewise said all the disciples in verse 35. And think about this. Look at this. And start in verse 35. Peter said, likewise. And, and, and we look at this story and you say, well, why did that kind of happen that way? And you look at verse 36. Look at starting in verse 36. And then cometh Jesus unto the place called Gethsemane and saith unto the disciples, sit ye here while I go and pray yonder. And he took with him Peter and the son, two sons of Zebedee and began to be sorrowful and very heavy. Then he saith unto them, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even unto death. Tarry ye here and watch with me. And talks about he went a little bit further in verse 40. And he cometh unto the disciples and findeth them asleep. And he saith unto Peter, What could you not watch with me for an hour? And then in 41 he says, Watch and pray. And Jesus keeps coming back after he gets done praying and keeps finding him asleep and keeps finding him asleep and keeps finding him asleep. You ever wake up out of an immediate sleep and suddenly it's like an alarm going off and you're faced with a situation, you're totally in the black, you're absolutely clueless. That's where the disciples were when Judas and the gang showed up. They were totally in the black, as they call it. They were totally oblivious to what was about to take place. Listen, didn't Jesus say things are going to happen at an hour you know not? He warned them, watch and pray that you not enter in temptation. What did they do? He said, I ain't got time to pray. I'm tired. I'm sleepy. I'm this. I'm that. And they began to sleep. You want to know how not to deny the Lord Jesus Christ? Be a praying person. Amen. Stay on your knees. Be humble. Be humble. And we begin to look at this story. Listen, they were so caught off guard that every one of them denied him. In verse 56, it says, and this was done, talking about the scripture, it said, then all the disciples forsook him and fled. Each one of them took him and fled. Listen, one of them even had a linen cloth on, and he ran so fast, he lost his outer garment. Amen? Said he ran away naked. I look for the prophecy of that one. I've not found that. I don't think anybody figured that one out. Amen? But I tell you what, getting away was was more important than what he was wearing. They say, I'll never deny you. Listen, when the pressures of life and the pressures come into your life, don't ever say, I'll never deny the Lord. Amen. In many ways, we have all denied him at various times in small ways or large. Are you a Christian? Well, you dance around it. Depending on what crowd you're in, that's a bad situation. You just denied the Lord. Amen. Don't deny the Lord Jesus Christ. But I tell you what, they only made this mistake one time. Because when we get to the book of Acts, they faced so much persecution, they faced so much temptation to deny the Lord, they faced opposition from every place and every side, from everywhere. And I tell you what, they learned that lesson the hard way the first time, and they never did it again. Amen. We read the fantastic stories, but sometimes we are slow learners and we didn't listen the first time, so we got to learn the hard way and to the point where you're brokenhearted. Now you got to get on your knees, get on your face, and beg God, Lord, I'm sorry I denied you. Lord, I'm sorry I betrayed you. Lord, I'm sorry I did all these things towards you. Lord, I'm sorry that I am a coward and I fell under pressure. 
These are real situations. And the pressure's only going to get more intense. And God gave me this message, and it broke my heart, because I began to sit, I was going through that, and I was thinking, Lord, is it I? I know I can fall. I know I am weak. But I know He is strong, and He is able. I'm not relying on self, not even for a moment. But I tell you what, their life was full of opportunity to deny Christ, but once was enough. That was a lesson that they learned the hard way. They got over and they moved on. Amen? They learned to pray for boldness. No longer were they sleeping during prayer time. They said, Lord, we need boldness to share the gospel. Lord, we need wisdom to stand before this one. Lord, we need this. And the Holy Ghost and the power of God came upon their lives and they were able to accomplish many things to the point where most of them died for that very stand for the cause of Christ. But there was a time where they really weren't paying attention and they got to the point where all the things that were foretold, they missed that lesson because they were too busy enjoying the prosperity and the blessings and the goodness and the protection. May I say that's where the church of Jesus Christ is in America today? And it's where you say something that's going to negative happen, it's like, not me. You're clueless. Amen? You're absolutely clueless. Number three. So number one, we have those that will betray. We have those that that will deny Christ somewhere along the way. I'm not saying they won't get right, but I'm saying this, wouldn't it be better to stay right? And number, number three, we have those that will depart. John chapter 6. John chapter 6. I've diverted to these verses many times in my Christian life. John chapter 6, this whole chapter of John chapter 6 is talking about manna and talking about bread. It goes on forever, and they're talking about that how Moses gave them manna, and those that Jesus said, no, God gave you the manna. And then Jesus says, I am the bread of life. And then we get a, and then we get a portion of Scripture where he's got a great following, and, and Jesus says, listen, the only reason you're following me is because I fed you. There's a lot of church members like that. The only reason they're in church is because they can see what they can get for free. And as long as God's blessing them, as long as God's providing for them, they're happy as can be. But I tell you what, when the teaching gets tough, they're gone. And that's what happened in this story. In this story of John chapter 6, the whole point is talking about bread. And then finally Jesus gets to the point and says, I am the bread of life. And we begin to see it. And uh, for investing, well, let's go to 54, 654. Whoso eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh indeed is meat indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He that eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood dwelleth in me, and I in, in, I in him. Listen, he began to teach and say these things, and they were like all taken back. They said, man, that don't make any sense. But what they didn't realize is verse 63, it says, It is the spirit that quickeneth, flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. 
He was referring to His body hanging on the cross. He was referring to His shed blood on Calvary's hill. He wasn't referring to physically be a cannibal. I mean, come on. He said they are spirit and they are life. But if you're spiritually discerned, you're absolutely clueless to what he was saying. But in this particular passage, they were all absolutely clueless of what he was teaching and what he was saying. And we start in John chapter 6, 6, 6. Amen? Chapter 6, verse 66. From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. No more with him. And that's some serious departures. It goes on in 67. It says, Then said Jesus unto the twelve, Will you also go away? Then Simon Peter answered him and said, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. We believe that thou that, and are sure that thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. I love this passage. Because as he talks about the path of life here and God's word, because God's word always stands. We have the source of life and it is Jesus Christ through the word of God. So the point of the story is this. People who are spiritually discerned don't understand the message. Bottom line. They may be at church, but they don't understand the message. Secondly, people who are unteachable, they're the know-it-all people, won't embrace the truth, no matter how much you teach it. Number three, people who follow the crowd leave and go back to their old life because they're crowd followers. And then ultimately, the people that love Jesus and embrace the truth cling to the truth, though they don't understand it. You ever come across the truth in the Bible or you're facing a situation in your life and say, Lord, I don't understand where they all were. The truth is this, no one in the entire group understood what Jesus was teaching. As a matter of fact, it seemed to be contrary to the very core of their biblical beliefs. I take that a step further. The message was absolutely repulsive and contrary to everything they had ever learned. And yet Peter looks at him and says, Lord, whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. There's no other place to go. There's no other book. There's no other path. There's no other Savior. There's no way other way to get victory over this matter. I don't understand, Lord. Lord, I am going through a situation... And I don't know what to do. The point of reference is the Bible. The point of reference is always your Bible. You may not understand the situation. You may not understand the teaching. But I'll tell you one thing. You say, Lord, whom shall we go? How many times have you ever been there and say, Lord, I don't know what to do in this situation. Lord, I don't know what I'm facing. Lord, I have no idea the decision. Where could I go? But to the Lord. You have the words of life. He goes on to say that they didn't understand. And read, look at the passage again. He said, when the time many of the disciples went back. Listen, most of the disciples were there for bread and food and comforts and blessings. But when the teaching got tough, 
They split, never gone. You wonder why churches are emptying out today when you stand up and preach the truth. Because when the teaching gets tough, they're gone. They leave. They depart. There are many departures. There's more departures leaving churches today than airplanes going out of BWI. You say, what are we going to do? I get the picture like the 11 standing here by themselves. It's a great multitude. Man, it's like a mega church and all of a sudden they're standing alone. Peter says, he says, well, you guys are going to go too? Why don't you go ahead and go now? Peter said, there's no other place to go. I don't understand it. I don't even know how to embrace it. But I know you have the words of life. There's no other place to go. There's no other place to turn. There's no other method. There's no other nothing, 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 nothing. Verse 67, then said Jesus unto the twelve, will you go away? And Simon Peter answered, said, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. There's no other place to get eternal life. There's no other place to get the truth. There's no other place to receive the wisdom and understanding of God. In verse 70, and, uh, and listen to verse 69. If that wasn't enough, he said, We believe and are sure that thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. I love that passage. There's no other place, person, or path that will get me to where I want to go. Lord, whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. You and you alone, the Word of God in the flesh, coupled with faith. He said, we believe and are sure. In other words, we don't doubt, we don't understand, but we're sure of one thing. You are the Christ, your word is true, and there's no other direction or path or road to travel except for this one, and I'm going to hang in there, and I'm going to be faithful. I'm not going to betray you. I'm not going to deny you. I'm not going to depart from you. I'm going to hang in there because sooner or later, you're going to teach me what this means. And he did. Actually, he did in the passage. They just didn't understand it. But it would later come to light. So we see betrayals, denials, departures. History is full of them. Who or what are you relying on this evening? Be honest with God and yourself. And if you've got a secret sin like Judas, sooner or later, Satan's going to use it against you. And you're going to end up betraying the very one you said you trusted. When the pressures of life come, and they will come, you'll be tempted to deny the Lord in one way or another. And then thirdly, there is no other book, no other road map other than the Bible itself. As the pressures are building, and God put this message upon my heart, I realized as the pressures grow, there's going to be many that betray him. There's going to be many that deny him. And there's going to be great mass exodus of departures. 
what I'm saying. I'm saying you need to stay humble, you need to be meek, and you need to be biblical. Humble means, Lord, is it I. Meekness is strength under control. Lord, I'm not going to deny you. I'm going to hang in there. I'm going to be faithful. No matter what I face, Lord. Why? Because if I lose my job, if I lose this, if I lose that, if everything's taken away, they can't take away my Savior. And did not God said He would provide? And sometimes it's not until you're in the fire till the deliverance comes. You say, how's it going to happen? I don't know. But I know one thing. If we'll stay faithful to the Lord, He will carry us through. No matter what we face. As others and your friends and your families depart, don't follow them. Stay true to the Savior. Stay humble, stay meek, stay biblical. Jesus has taught us all these things throughout the New Testament, the things to come and the things that we will face and the pressures that will be upon the church of Jesus Christ. Let's not be like the early disciples and have to learn the hard way. Let's read our Bible, understand those things that are come to pass, embrace it, prepare your heart for it, not your pantry, your heart. Amen? You say, how do I prepare? Get as close to the Lord Jesus Christ as you possibly can. Spend time in His Word. Spend time in prayer. Don't get proud and arrogant. And it's okay to say, Lord, is it I? Or better yet, Lord, don't let it be me. Lord, I'm not trusting in me. I'm trusting in you. Lord, I need you. God, help me. God, I see these people betraying you. I see these people denying you. I see these people leaving. I don't understand it, but Lord, I can't help them. But I need you to help me because I am capable of everything that they are doing. I need your help. I need your power. Let's stand together, bow our heads, close our eyes. The Lord's spoken to you. I encourage you to come and pray. Maybe God's speaking to your heart. Listen, just come and say, Lord, is it I? Protect me and help me. Don't let me get too big for my britches here. Help me to be honest with you and with myself. Don't let pride get in the way. Help me to be humble. Help me to be meek and help me to be biblical. You may be here this evening. You say, you know, preacher, I've never trusted Jesus Christ as my Savior. I don't know that heaven is my home, but I'd like to know that tonight. If that's you, would you just slip up your hand? Have someone take a Bible and show you from the Bible how you know you can have eternal life. Listen, all these things that we spoke of tonight, I spoke concerning the believer in Jesus Christ. God is so good and he loves you so much and he wants to save your soul and give you a place in heaven that you may have everlasting life. As you're sitting in your seat, just pray. God, just give me strength.